Hi, I'm Mickey Lowe. Hi, I'm Bishop Todd. And welcome, welcome to, to the C4SO, C4SO podcast. podcast. Well, welcome back, C4SO listeners. It's great to be with you all again after a summer break. Uh, I was actually ready to come back from summer vacation a little bit before Todd. He's still kind of living it up on his uh, summer vacay, so I'm actually uh, here solo today. But I, I am looking forward to it, and let's get into it. So today, uh, we are going to be highlighting C4SO's Child and Youth Protection Month. So kids are heading back to school at this time. You know, we're getting ready to, you know, launch children's ministries. Uh, we're getting ready to launch so many programs, and I'm sure in your churches as well. So this is a really important month that we use to ensure the safety of every child in our churches. So the church, you know, capital C, the, the big church, has a God-given responsibility to nurture and protect his people, and especially those who are most vulnerable and in need of protection. And so caring for our children and youth is truly a sacred trust. Today, we get the chance to talk to Ryder Mills from Christ Church Overland Park, who served in youth ministries for years, and he serves uh, on the leadership team of NextGen uh, on a diocesan and a provincial uh, level. And we get to the chance to talk to him about the importance of this vision of children and youth safety and implementing it in our churches and the importance of setting up this culture of care in our ministries from the very beginning of ministries and really fostering trust and transparency at a parish level. So please enjoy this conversation today with our friend writer. Well, Ryder, thank you so much for joining me today. I'm so excited to get the chance to sit down with you and chit chat. Yeah, thank you. I'm, I'm excited for our conversation as well. Cool. So before we get into this conversation, let's just talk about uh, your role in ministry so that we can, you know, have our listeners get to know you a little bit better. Yeah, I work at Christchurch Anglican in Kansas City. Um, so in Overland Park and in Mission are our two congregations. Um, I've been here, I'm starting my seventh year. I grew up non-denominational Christian church um, and went to school, uh, Bible college in that in that tradition. And my wife and I in college, we were interested in the liturgical tradition. And so and I kind of heard about Anglicanism via some of our theology and, and Christian history classes in school. Then there was a job that came available and uh, my aunt and uncle also go to our church here, decided you know, uh, newly married, new to working after uh, graduating from college, uh, now is as good a time as any to make a big denominational shift into a tradition that neither of us grew up in. And so, mm -hmm. and when we thought if it goes poorly, then we'll just leave. And yeah. that was yeah. uh, six years ago and we've loved it. Oh so, yeah. So we welcomed uh, the birth of our first child, a son, Theodore Henry Mills, at the end of last year, at the end of 2022. Mm. He's almost eight months now, which is really fun. So that's been the biggest shift in both of our lives, obviously, and in our family. Um, I've been at Christchurch six years. I was our student life director, working with our middle and high school students for about five and a half of those years. And then towards the end of last year, I moved into a new role on staff as our director of outreach. So cool. my day-to-day -day job at my church is uh, to work with our local and global partnerships, help people get involved there, facilitate those relationships and that work together that we share there. 
um, and also to help a little bit with some of our spiritual formation ministries at the church. I'm also on our diocesan and um, provincial youth and family ministry kind of task force. So Mm -hmm. really the reason I do that and the thing that I love most about doing that is getting to work with local um, youth workers, especially Uh, a lot of whom are part-time or are volunteer roles um, to just help them with resources, uh, strategy, connecting with other practitioners, especially in the Anglican context, which for lots of people um, around the country, they're not, they might not have another Anglican youth worker local to them. So cool to connect them with one another, help them to uh, do good work together. Awesome. And is that something that you started serving on when you were working in youth ministry and then just kind of stayed on? Is something you're passionate about? Yeah. In uh, 2019, I was asked to be a part of that on the C4SO um, Next Gen team. And we had all these big ideas and plans about what we would do together um, as part of that in 2019. And then uh, something disrupted that for a little while. Right. <laughs> and, uh, so in the last year, we've been able to get some of these uh, cohorts rolling. And, and those are these little communities uh, to connect for learning and formation with fellow practitioners. And so that's that's the main thing that I do there um, and that I really love doing. So, awesome. yeah, a lot of fun. So tell us a little bit about what you do there, you know, in terms of, you know, the diocesan and provincial work that you do with NextGen. What are what are some things that you really love about it? You know, obviously the ministry that you've done working with youth, I'm sure has led you to this and, you know, is a driving force for your passion here. So what do you really love about it? Yeah. What's something you enjoy? Um, you know, I didn't grow up Anglican. And so I didn't grow up in a tradition that had confirmation as mm-hmm. part of that is one of those uh, practices, those rites of passage for uh, kind of coming of age in your faith and in your church community, that looking back on my own uh, experiences of growing up in the church, which actually were very positive, um, I think I really would have loved and enjoyed as a student and as a young person. And so that's something that I really enjoyed getting to do year to year, and especially the way that, that the confirmation process brings together families and churches with um the young people in the congregation in a kind of a focused way really enjoyed getting to do that every year. It was super fun. Um, and it ended with this really special moment of the confirmation service where the Bishop would come and, and pray and things. So I really love getting to do that. And so for a lot of our churches in our diocese, especially, um, especially church plants where they, a lot of times I get to have some conversations with them as they're getting started in thinking about maybe doing confirmation right. the first time. And how do we talk about this when a lot of our families are not from backgrounds where they've done this before? They're from a different you know, church tradition or no church tradition at all. Um, right. They're kind of approaching that less from the mainline traditional route and more from the, well, what, what is the, what's the value in rites of passage? And what's the values in kind of coming alongside young people as the church community um, in them owning, having ownership in their own faith mm, during yeah phase of life. Um, so I just love getting to work with people on those sorts of things and helping them be creative and, and yeah. bring their own uh, unique perspective as, a, you know, the different ways that different churches have specific culture and specific, um, that, you know, language and, and bringing that into their practice of confirmation is one of the things I've really enjoyed doing. Yeah, I know. That's, that's really great. And that's something uh, I'm going to ask you about a little bit uh, ahead in our time together is kind of some approaches for church planting and sort of implementing these uh, practices and uh, 
just vision for, you know, child and youth protection, but also uh, some of these things that we can be doing from the beginning of a church plant. And, and I'm talking to you as a, like a new church planter. So yeah. a lot of my questions in these interviews are kind of shaped by, you know, what I'm experiencing, what a lot of people are in, that, in our diocese are experiencing. So um, we'll get into that in a second. But so the reason you and I are sitting down today is because uh, September is the Child and Youth Protection Month for our diocese. Mm-hmm. We highlight the importance of uh, ministry safe, making sure things are up to date, making sure all of our policies and our parishes are, are you know, in line. And you've been working with youth for a long time. And so we would just love to give you the opportunity to maybe help your colleagues uh, mm-hmm. kind of get the vision and values for why we do this. Why do we dedicate this time? to making sure everything is up to date, making sure that, you know, our rectors and our parishes understand why um, we, we follow these policies and why we implement these policies and why that leads to flourishing in our churches. So, you know, if you could just kind of help any rector or church planter or anybody who serves in kids or, you know, wants to in this moment, why, why do we do this? There are three things that came to mind in that. Uh, The first is, the opportunity that um, we have to model healthy relationships with our young people. So specifically modeling healthy relationships between an adult and a kid or an adult and a, and a teenager or youth. Yeah. Um, and in that, what I, what I think is uh, significant is the opportunity to model appropriate kind of boundaries that are beyond just what is moral but it, there's like kind of boundary markers that keep a uh, distance between crossing over moral lines. And, and what's valuable in that is that if a student, a young person is used to relating, let's say to, to me a certain way, if someone else in their life is maybe crossing over some of those lines that I don't cross over, that will hopefully raise some like red flags in that kid's gut and that yeah. kid going like, huh. This is not the way that the other adults in my life who say they care about me relate to me. And so as this person is is doing this, that feels off to me. Whereas if we have fewer of those boundaries, there's fewer of those red flags that get raised ahead of something uh, actually bad happening. Um, And so I think that that opportunity to model healthy relationships and to model a healthy adult-child relationship is just a really beneficial thing, not only for protecting a student or a child within our church, within the context of church gatherings, mm-hmm. but also uh, helping to create vigilance in them and sa- and some safety in their, in their kind of awareness of how to relate in the world in the other contexts of their life as well, whether that's at home, at school, you know, around the neighborhood, whatever that is. So I think that modeling thing is really valuable. I also think that it's important to empower everyone in our church to care about protecting young people. For it to not be something that is just the responsibility of the rector or the paid staff or, the, you know, the people on the website <laughs> listed, right, of our, right. right? It's important to kind of train and empower all people to be looking out for some of those warning signs and, and to be um, looking out for young people, especially in um, knowing that, uh, like, statistically, we as the paid staff people, as the ones with power in in churches are the ones that also need to be watched out for by the people in our church. And so I think empowering the people in your congregation to say, these are the boundaries that we as a community, myself included, are agreeing to adhering to. And if you see me crossing those, or if you see someone else crossing those, I want you to call it out 
And right. here's how that here's how to do that with within our local context of reporting structures, but also here's if if it's me, the person, you know, if it's the rector of a church, uh, here's how to report it to the diocese. This is the link, you know, this is the number, right? Empowering ways of empowering the people in our church to be uh, to have shared ownership of the protection of young people creates just more accountability in a positive way that and creating more safety around uh, around our youth and, and children. Yeah, no, that's great. And I love that you mentioned that, that it's kind of, it's the responsibility of all of us, you know, within, mm-hmm. the, bo- within the body, because yes, the, the, the folks who directly volunteer with children, of course, like that mm-hmm. is super important that they go through mm-hmm. the correct screening, the correct uh, training, but it's not just the responsibility of the rector and, and people who serve directly with kids. Like we need to be teaching our, our entire parish to care about the safety of children and youth. You know, yeah. this is a collective effort. Um, yeah. So yeah. I love that you said that. And especially knowing that, that, um, and I, I don't have a, a source for these statistics, but this is stuff that I've read in some of the, the literature, which is that, um, you know, context where kids are hurt is, is most primarily home school and church. Mm-hmm. So if, um, if home or if school is not a safe place, um, where there are not adults looking out for this, then a church might be the context that a kid has a relationship with an adult who's safe for them to maybe disclose or to talk about things that they're experiencing in other parts of their life. And so again, in that, um, developing these relationships of safety and of trust and of a certain amount of vigilance can be, um, again, not only something that, that keeps a kid safe when they're with us or when they're under our supervision or under our sort of sphere of responsibility, but also is something that allows us to um, take appropriate action in a situation where a kid is not safe in another context in their life mm-hmm. and to know what to look out for, to know what to listen for in between the lines of what a student might be talking about or a kid might be, you know, talking about in a small group or on a right. Sunday morning or whatever that is. Right. No. And I, and I love how holistic that is because we care about what happens at our church, you know, at a parish level, but even beyond that, we care Mm -hmm. about children having boundaries with all adults in their lives and and for Mm -hmm. their safety. And so Mm -hmm. what better place for a church to be than than one that, you know, has healthy boundaries and, you know, what relationships should look like between uh, children and youth and adults. So, Mm -hmm. Yeah, I love how holistic that is. So, and, and you also mentioned, you know, the accountability for those who are, you know, paid staff or who are the faces of a church. Um, I think creating a culture in which reporting is is normal uh, and like normative is really important too. So like we have our whistleblower policy, for example, mm-hmm. and that's like posted in our church, right? And so we want to make it uh, known and make it, you know, accessible to everybody that you know, reporting things that you're not sure about, or you think is questionable. Um, yeah. Why do you think that's so important to, to have that sort of culture? Yeah. I mean, I think some of it is just good humility and Mm self-awareness to say that I think we all want to give ourselves the benefit of the doubt and go, yeah, I have good intentions. And so of course that means I'll always be, I'll always do what's right and I'll always do what's appropriate. And, um, and that should be our goal, of course. Um, but also, um, we believe that our judgment is flawed. And we believe that, uh, you know, so 
I think uh, giving the people in your church the very specific um, and helpful tools to say, hey, if you see me, this is what the line is. This is what it looks like. And if you see me crossing it, this is what I want you to do. Because I don't want to go further down that path. Right? And so that's what's nice about having boundaries that are a few steps away from like what you might call like immorality um, where it's like, well, you can, you can cross if one of those boundary steps and some warning lights will go off and you can be accountable to those boundaries before anything has actually progressed to a point where someone's been harmed or, you know, things like that. Right. And it allows accountability to enter in sooner. Um, which I think again, is actually a part of what keeps us all on the path of walking with integrity and right. in, in, in the light of day. Um, and I think what's helpful about that is like in a really practical, ordinary sense, even like a less in the sense of a, um, in the context of child and youth protection, but even a, a conversation that, that happens in the office or in the workplace or a, a joke that is, um, off color or something like that. If you're, if you're creating and feeding a culture where you get a strange look, when you cross a little bit of a line, Mm -hmm. you know, slightly, then that checks you. Right. Mm -hmm. Uh, Right. And it, Okay, you know what? That was wrong. You can make amends, or you can change, you know, your path or whatever. Yeah. Um, and it keeps you from going further down that. Whereas, uh, you know, Scott McKnight in his book, uh, A Church Called Tove, writes a lot about the 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 way that leaders and cultures interact with each other. Mm. And one of the things that can be helpful is when those things are both um, operating in a healthy way. They reinforce health in the other. So a leader then reinforces health in the culture. And then when the leader's getting off track, the culture then corrects the leader and the leader then receives that. Right. And so I think that um, as people vested with power and responsibility in the church, it's just really important to uh, give and, and continually reinforce empowering the rest of our church to hold us accountable mm. and to hold, really have that part of hold that part of power with us. No, I, I agree. I think that, that is part of being transparent. And I think that that is part of the trust building um, that Mm -hmm. we do with our, you know, our parishioners. So let me ask what you think about, you know, what are some of the important differences for how this plays out in roles with children and youth, right? Because there are age differences and depending on the sort of church you go to or, you know, pastor, you know, depending on who the Lord brings to your church, like in my church, we have littles, we have toddlers, babies, and we have elementary schoolers. And then some kids who are verging on, you know, middle school and high school and like everything in between. So there's obviously like age differences and there's um, developmental differences. So, you know, in terms of how we care for these age groups, how we appropriately care for them, do you feel like there are sort of important differences in how this plays out with these age groups? You know, I think one thing generally is that as um, a, as a person gets older, from you know nursery to preschool to you know elementary, middle, high school, uh, and beyond, um, the older we get, and then also into adulthood, the older we get, the more responsibility we can have in adhering to healthy boundaries ourselves. Mm-hmm. So, like, I have an eight month old baby. And I don't get mad at my baby for having, um, it's not even unhealthy emotional boundaries or something like, right? Like, yeah, right, right. Hey, you're really demanding, you know, eight months old. <laughs> yeah. No, I'm not going to do that, right? Because he's a little right. kid and it's, right. it's actually just, he's just going through what a little kid at that age goes through, you know? Mm-hmm. 
um, including being really demanding and, and not very, uh, not very considerate of other people's. No, they're not very <laughs> merciful either. <laughs> no. And that's okay. He's the baby. Yeah, right. Um, but as we age, you know, we, that capacity and that responsibility to be aware of others and to be self-controlled and to, um, learn our own emotions, but then also learn emotional boundaries and emotional, um, kind of like how to operate in a community, uh, increases as we age. Right. And as we mature. And so in that, I think in each of those phases of life, I think that's one thing you could think of is for each of those categories of, of stages of life that we have, um, in our church, how are we, what are we expecting? What are we asking, um, from kids in those environments, um, as they age and, and, and for the adults in those environments as they age, um, in hopes that we're all continuing to, to learn to walk with the Lord, uh, together. I think also you mentioned something um, from that's very common in, in church planting context, which is we have like a million little kids and one kid or two kids or three kids who are about to be preteens or about to be teenagers um, and not a lot in the teenage years. Mm-hmm. And I think what ends up happening a lot of times is um, for, for ministry to youth, um, it becomes like we do something reactive when it gets to the point where we need to do some need to do ministry there mm-hmm. with that group. Um, and so one of the things I think I would encourage, um, especially people with, uh, newer churches or smaller churches that are growing in those age demographics is to think a few, try to be thinking a few steps ahead of, ahead. um, yeah. those demographics. Cause those demographics will often, will will force you at some point to, sure. to ministry. Um, and, the, the sooner you can think of those, those things, I think maybe the better. Mm, that's a great word, really. And, and that kind of leads into my next question for you is, you know, when we're talking about setting up this sort of culture of care, right, making mm-hmm. sure that we have systems in place for uh, screening volunteers if they want to serve with kids or, you know, displaying things like the whistleblower policies, Setting up this sort of culture of care, I think, is really important to implement from the very beginning and not something we have to catch up to. Yes. So how do we set up these these things? How do we make sure that even from the very beginning of a ministry or yeah. a church plant, how do we set up this culture of care from the very beginning? So I think the main thing that we can do from the very beginning in a church is to think about the what are we willing to do? not do in order to adhere to best practices. So when you think of a boundary, a boundary is like uh, one of the ways you can think about a boundary is a boundary is what I'm not willing to do in order to get what I want. Like, so I could do this because it would be helpful sort of like in the short term or to work towards a goal. So it's like, we need to, okay, we've got people coming, we need to have children's ministry, but we don't have enough people to have two adults or three adults in every room. Right. But that's fine. We have to have children's ministry. So we're just going to start with, without adhering to those, you know, boundaries. Mm -hmm. And I think that when we do that, we, I think it's a compromise and I don't, I think it actually, um, compromises on, um, our integrity a little bit and saying like, I know this is what's best, but I'm not going to do it because I need this other thing more and that's more important. Mm. And I think for us to hold to from the very beginning, that, that culture of care that you talked about yeah. is to say that, okay, we can't do this until we can do it right. Mm-hmm. And so 
if that's you know children's ministry, if that's a youth group, if that's um, a retreat, or if that's whatever that is that I might look like, of like I want to do this thing, I want to do this um, this program or this event or this thing, but we we don't really have the capacity of people or of, of space or whatever it is to do it in a way that is that is like safe or that is with in line with what we're saying or best practices, mm -hmm. then we we might not do it. Don't do yeah. it. We no, don't do it. You're, wait. You're Spot on, spot on. There, there have been times at our church where uh, Megan, who's our uh, children's ministry coordinator, uh, can't, uh, you know, schedule enough volunteers for the nursery. For example, mm -hmm. this actually happened this past weekend. Uh, we mm -hmm. didn't have enough people. Uh, there were a lot of uh, people out on vacation. We didn't have enough, so we sent a church-wide email and said, "Hey guys, sorry, uh, nursery's closed this Sunday. Our commitment to you and to this church is that mm -hmm. we will not open a classroom if we don't have the proper amount of volunteers." And yep. we just have to stick to that. So I think yeah. that's spot on. And I think, you know, there, there can be some embarrassment about that on, sure. on the like, oh, I'm not doing my job right or something like that because I should be. But I think what I would like to encourage people in those situations is that actually there's a way in which that is doing your job right. Mm -hmm. And oftentimes in moments where I've had to say, hey, we're not going to do this that way because um, this is not in line with these practices or whatever even though I was maybe embarrassed because of our capacity or my, you know, lack of planning or that the planning fell through or that whatever it was that, that caused that, that lapse. Um, oftentimes it's been received well right, by the church and by mm -hmm. family because, you know, actually uh, parents care a lot more about the safety of their kids than they do about uh, having somewhere to drop off on Sunday. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, no, totally. It's, it is, it's a safety thing. And, uh, yeah. And, and as much as we as ministers want to offer things mm -hmm. and like so desperately wish, you know, we could offer this on the Sunday. But, you know, if we said we're committed to the safety of our children, then we have to stick to this. So, yeah. And it ends up right. building. Uh, it ends up building trust in the long run as well, because if if you have a relationship where when things aren't going to be safe, I tell you that and then we don't do those things. Mm -hmm. Then if I'm saying it's going to be safe in a different context, then you're going to be more likely to trust that that's the truth because yeah. I haven't had this like track record of, yeah, 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 we're, it's all good. And then mm -hmm. you get super chaotic and there's, you know, 30 kids in a room with one adult running, you know, just running wild or whatever it is, you know? Um, right. And it builds that trust again, it, that's shared between the community and, and that, that culture of safety and care. Mm, no. Yeah. That's a great word. I, I, and I'd love to hear, maybe I'm going to ask you one more thing is when have you seen this, go well in the context in which you've served? Like when have you seen, uh, you know, the commitment to these safety policies and, and you know, having integrity and, and being honest, uh, you know, when has this gone really well for you? Like, do you have a story or does any scenario come to mind for you of like, okay, this is why we do what we do to make sure our kids are safe, whether it's children and children's ministry or youth and, you know, whatever the age group, anything come to mind for you? You know, I think of, uh, I'm not going to use any like specific examples because of these contexts, but I think um, there's been several times that um, because of training, when a situation arose that a, that a kid disclosed to an adult um, that was one of my, um, you know, leaders in, my, in the ministry I was overseeing, they responded well, both in the moment like emotionally and interpersonally with that student. Mm -hmm. And then also like they worked the system of 
bringing me into that conversation and then bringing in the other necessary parties into that conversation in a way that um, really cared for those those young people. Mm, yeah. And um, even though that some of the uh, they were uncomfortable situations and were not situations that you want to have happen, they were situations that ended in um, healing, like ended in yeah. positive uh, a positive relationship between that person and their church and that person and um, their family community, you know. And so I think those are situations where I was really just proud of the people in our church and the people in our ministries to respond in the moment, to uh, remember remember their training, to remember the protocols, right. remember, but also to remember the heart of care for the people in the room with them um, and to hold on to all of those things in tension with one another. And that can be hard to do. And so, I, yeah, when those have been those times when those, that's gone well, it's just moments where I'm really proud of, of people, you know? Yeah, no, that's great. I think for me and, and for us as a church planting team, I think some of the biggest wins have come out of when parents uh, have their children as part of our children's ministries, and then they begin to serve or are interested uh-huh. in serving and they go through the ministry safe. They go uh-huh. through all the processes that we've put together and they come out of those trainings, which are very extensive and can uh-huh. be really lengthy. Uh, and they go, I- I'm so happy that you guys have these systems and practices in place because, you know, I already trusted you. That's why, you know, we, drop yeah. off our kids, right. but even more so now, like uh, yeah. that all this goes behind the scenes with the people who are, you know, working with our children. Uh, it just fosters a really solid sense of trust that we hope to continue to foster through the years. And so that's why we can, we, you know, do the ministry safe every two years. We make sure that those are up to date. Yep. Um, but I think for us as a small church, and we've seen so many wins and when our parents uh, step up and start serving with our youth yeah. and they're like, Oh, you guys are serious about this. And we're like, Oh yeah, always have been, but it's, it's great to see that play out. Um, and then you get more people serving. We've, we've seen, you know, like the, the trust builds and then it kind of overflows and other people begin to see that we're serious about this stuff. Yeah. I've had that same experience of what you're talking about where you're doing a training and you're like, Oh man, I, I don't want this to just be a hoop that people have to jump through to, know, as part of our normal annual, like serving, you know, re-upping on the, on the trainings and all this stuff. And, and sometimes because of the content, because you're telling people like, Hey, here's how to report on me as the person who's your team leader. Mm-hmm. <laughs> here's what I want you to do. You, I, I was very intimidated leading into some of those conversations ahead of time. I was anxious about it. Basically every time I've had one of those training conversations, people have responded so enthusiastically, mm-hmm. um, in, Parents, especially when they're those dual relationships of they're a parent of a student and a volunteer that works with students or works with kids. Right. They're always, I mean, and, and it's understandable. I should have expected this, but it's always really struck me how appreciative and enthusiastic the people in our church have been to, uh, and, and appreciative of being a church that, that really tries to talk about this and take this seriously, both in, in conversation, but also in practice. Totally. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I know we're, we're really grateful for our diocese and we're grateful for just the way that they have set up uh, the way that these policies and systems should be implemented in our, like at our parish level. So we're certainly really grateful for that. Um, 
And for anybody listening, uh, if you are interested in more or have questions or need to make sure that you're up to date, you can visit c4so.org slash safe church training for more info. We'll put this in the show notes um, to join in with our vision for keeping every child safe. So Ryder, thank you so much for your time. This has been great. And I think it'll be an awesome resource for our diocese. Yeah, thank you. Thank you. Really enjoyed our conversation today. Thanks so much for tuning in to the C4SO podcast. If you like what you heard, please feel free to share this episode and subscribe and leave a review. It helps us to get the word out. Thanks.